Beautiful. I was actually just listening to it. I was jamming to it. I figure, I figure in my mind, I need to put it on and go exercise. Like I got to go work out. I don't know if you guys intended it to be like really high energy in your face rock music that would inspire somebody to get on a treadmill when it's snowing outside. Uh, but that was me. Oh, that's good. I, uh, I never thought about it that way actually, but, uh, it's good to know. It's like a nice mid pace. I find that mid pace music is really good for any type of treadmill cardio type stuff. Yeah. Very that's cool. just my that's my opinion. My my preferred for which I don't really like treadmills, but if I was going to go on a treadmill or go running, I would definitely my favorite thing that I've listened to is probably Bathory's Nordland One. Uh, I just think it's a perfect tempo because you don't try to run as fast as it, and it's a good pace. I think. Okay. Very 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 good terms here. So. Let's go ahead and crack and not crack and roll. That sounds terrible. Rock and roll. Okay, crack into the rock and roll. Yeah, uh, I would like the records to show that I actually prefer crack and roll. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. Today on the Rock and Roll Podcast, we have White Magician. And they've got a new album called Dealers of Divinity, which is going to be released on uh, November 20th via Cruz del Sur Music. Right now, being joined by the great Kaiser and Mofang Ten Grand themselves, they're going to share some more information about this amazing record that is inspiring exercise around the world. Uh, what the they've been up to, what they've got coming down the pipeline. So, boys, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are quite welcome. Now, something you mentioned there in the beginning that I thought was really interesting was, um, you know, I mentioned. You know, working out to the music and you kind of said something like oh, I hadn't envisioned it that way. So I guess my question is from your guys' perspective, uh, what did you envision uh, people would be doing to the music or was that not even a thought? You just wrote music that you liked. I got to say it wasn't really a thought. And, and I've definitely tried to like envision previously in life making music. But the one thing that I learned like very early on, is that whatever you think you're doing, everybody is going to interpret in a totally different way. So, it, like, to me, it's just not even worth thinking about. I try to just, like, go for stuff that that is resembling of what I think would well represent what I want to be playing, what I want to be hearing. And, uh, I mean, anything else from there is pretty much out of my control. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, you were going to say something or no? Uh, yeah, no, so I would say, uh, I've never once in my life wondered, well, I definitely never thought about music that I was writing or making and wondered like what other people are doing as they listen to it. But I like, now that you bring that up, I like thinking about what other people are doing. And now I'm actually going to start listening to records and wonder what the bands that I like thought I would be doing when I listened to it. Uh, it was an interesting little exercise. <laughs> Thanks to you. Yeah. yeah, I rather like it as well. It, it's, it, it was previously foreign to me, but now it's like a, a topic of thought. Yeah, something to think about, especially with you guys, the kind of music you guys are making where you've got some potential uh, witchcraft going on, white magic, uh, true story. My wife is actually a white witch. 
so when I mentioned that I was going to be chatting with a white magician, she just kind of winked and twinkled her nose and, um, then weird things started happening. But, um, <laughs> you know, if I play this record backwards, for example, and like what happens then, and there's so many, so many questions that may or may not in fact actually be present, uh, on the record, but I don't know. I just kind of thought it'd be an interesting, interesting thought, you know, are people making love to the record and they have like demonic babies? Not to say that white magic is demonic. We know it's not, uh, yeah. but maybe they're having angelic babies. So there's, yes. um, there's also a distinction to be made about magic and it's, you know, in itself, I think you like, you could think that it's witchcraft, but, uh, Derek, what? you got something to add to this? Well, I, you know, it, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if witchcraft or the occults or anything was ever in the forefront of our minds. I mean, it, it's like really, you know, I'm very, very interested on a personal and entertainment type level of just like regular, like, like magic, like, uh, we're talking the working man's magic. Yeah, the working man's magic, stage magic, close-up magic, parlor magic, stuff like that. Um, but uh, I do rather love thinking about people making love. Yeah, no, I, music I in general, like, really. I like that. I like yeah. thinking about um, making love. I think um, uh, Ronnie James Dio, he said it best when he hypothesized whether or not... Um, someone was closing their eyes when they make love he was thinking about making love he was thinking about other people making love and whether or not no no he was, thinking, he was thinking about somebody making love to him but he hasn't seen whether they close their eyes or not oh i thought he was just asking someone else if they no make, no 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 no, no. If they make love no it's like well i don't think he's asking them straight out because i don't think that he'd be able to find out if he asked them that question well I, it could also be kind of like what we were talking about earlier he's asking the um the listeners whether they make love while closing their eyes which is also that's an interesting question i would like to know if all of our listeners um what their eyes look like you know on a general basis but also while they make love yeah all right very very cool stuff now, something else that was uh, mentioned was mid-paced it, was that the intention or is it kind of like a johnny was it johnny cash you said i just can't play any faster uh, like, no i uh, I would like the record to show that I can play faster and that uh, I just didn't really want to because um, basically all the music that inspired this music was all like it was all music that was like early 80s at the latest, really. So like, you know, early to mid 70s up until like late 80s, hard rock, you know, like right when like hard rock was turning into heavy metal and uh and, you know, it's just like you like it, you don't hear that really. And I just kind of wanted to do something that, that seemed a little period. And it probably, of course, missed its mark. Just like like I said earlier, you think you're doing something and you're aiming for something. And then somebody's like, oh, yeah, it sounds like this. And you're just like, well, that's the last thing I wanted it to sound like. But like, you know, <laughs> I, I've seen bands that do faster. Like they, they do a lot faster music. Uh, and. So I don't really need to scratch that itch with this. I just kind of wanted to really just be based on, you know, like on like, you know, riffs, parts, parts working together, uh, composition and just kind of overall like emotion and feeling uh, and just, you know, just to to convey emotion really through the music. 
And with the type of stuff I wanted to convey, uh, like a, a faster pace just didn't really, it just didn't really like, it didn't call for it. There's like maybe one or two parts. There's like one part that's like on the faster side, but I would say that that was about it. And how fast are fans make love? Stop I'd it. like to know that as well. Stop it. I'm going to ask Mofang Tangran to leave two more, <laughs> two more outbursts like that. I'm going to ask him to leave. Exactly. Man, when they released, they think that they're fading in. I want to go on the record and say that when he came upstairs to join me, he's been breathing really heavily ever since. And I'm a much larger person than he is. Oh, boy. Yep. We we figured this was a perfect platform to, uh, what's the the word I'm looking for? To uh, bicker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for coming on to the show to bicker, boys. You sound like a regular married, uh, married couple there. Some would say that, and some would really, really not say that, and I won't correct either of them. All right, perfect. Um, now, something that I, I heard, unless I'm mistaken, uh, I believe it was Dealers of Divinity, opening track, title track. Uh, is that a wood block that comes in in the chorus? It's, uh, it's a cowbell, um, and wood block and cowbell sound almost the same, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I'm sure that like some percussion aficionado would probably be like, "Well, sir," but I, like they sound the same to me. But, but yeah, wood block too. Didn't we? we, we no, it. It, but it's like a plastic block. No, the I, we didn't record with it, but we got it. We picked it up and we tried it. Oh no, 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 no! That's this thing. That's a bell. Oh yeah, that was we, that is on there. Oh yeah, those things are sweet. Yeah, but it's not. It's, it has a wood that's backing, but the, it vibrates through the wood. So we got some. We got some random. Uh, uh, what, what would it be auxiliary? Percussion or accessory, percussion accessories. Um, That's not what you want to talk about. You wanted to talk about the cowbell. Well, no, you wanted to talk about the accessories. And yeah. So yes, you. Very close. Yes. Very close, sir. We're not good at short answers. So yeah, yeah, no, it was not a wood block. It was a cowbell. The funny thing is because you guys have a lot going on in the mix, and it also is in order to obviously sound like it's the 70s, it's a more of a lo-fi kind of mix. So, I mean, honestly, uh, if if it was a cowbell, there's obviously some frequencies that are going to get eaten up in places, but it still has the intended effect of wanting to do some booty shaking, I guess. Was that the was that the intent? Like, how did that conversation come to be in, in, in a rock band? Like, man, we need more cowbell. Um, it, you know, just because it sounds good, and we, and we really won't go any further than that just because it sounds good. And I did purposely put it in there and I wanted it to be buried in the mix because I don't want the cowbell jumping out. Um, you know, a cow, like the whole, the, the, the best way that cowbell and I, I try, I did the cowbell and I tracked it after the drums were already tracked and you want it to sound like it's a part of the drum set. We, we actually hoped that you, you were, weren't there. Well, okay. But listen, okay. We would, he wasn't there when it was recorded. We hoped that it would be appreciated. Um, to put it into context, as one would pr- appreciate um, Blue Oyster Cult pre-Saturday Night Live skit. I actually, I actually just wanted to be appreciated, like. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, you, no, you speak, you speak, please, John. I, okay, perfect. Uh, now, when it comes to the. I guess, what is it, the lead single off the album, Mad Magic, Bad Magic, uh, number two, In the Absence of Gods. Uh, 
why this track off of the entire album to to have as a single? I would have preferred Dealers of Divinity to be a single, but I would guess um, it it was the it was the the label's choice, which I think is fine because I think it's a great song. I actually think it came out recording wise um, better than most of the other songs. Um, it just came out nice, and it's pretty. Str- it's the most straight to the point song um, as far as it's like shorter. It has like a pretty like. You know, it, it doesn't. Some of the other ones, you can tell they're a lot longer, and they kind of go on like musical tangents. This one doesn't really that much. Um, so I think that it was just because it's like a, and and I think it's like one of the, I think it's one of like the harder-ish, heavier sounding tracks, or at least like more upbeat, which I think catches people's attention more. Um, but like, I feel like for me personally, I feel like a lot of the other tracks would catch my attention more. But I'm also the type of person that listens to a record and really really just like loves like the more obscurish stuff that like you know that like people really get into after like a 10th listen of an album what we'll call in the industry as album filler but not album filler but album I, filler. I refer to more as growers i think the most rewarding i think the most rewarding song a person could love is one that they did not like at all the first time they hear it mm. okay so one of the things you mentioned was that uh, recording-wise, you felt that that song came out uh, greater than the other songs. I guess my question is, why is that? Was the album done in stages? Was it not done, you know, kind of all together in a successive period? Um, okay, I mean, well, we, we recorded the drums in May of whatever t- uh, two years ago would have been. 2018? Um, sure, could have been. Um but it was a long time ago, and then we started recording. I started recording guitars after that. We did a lot of stuff, a lot really out of order, and I, we recorded it in a city that's about an hour and twenty minutes away from where we live. So I basically just like went over there for like six to eight hour sessions, like every other weekend, well, sometimes once a month, you know, d- due to availability. And so basically, it was just a lot of like. You know, like if you listen, we got the guitar sounds pretty similar, but if you listen really closely, I feel like it's just kind of how people record now. They just kind of like chip away at it. I tried to record guitars all at the same, all within the same session or two. Um, But uh, I don't know. I just think that like the way that the way that uh, we worked it with effects and I kind of just did like some dynamic changes to it um, as far as like taking a lot of the guitars were like, a lot of the guitars, when I tracked them, I, I tracked them. I played out of two different amps at the same time and, uh, you know, like split the signal and played out of two amps. And for some of the parts of like the verse, I'd just take the guitar out completely. Um, and then like when like the riff was like towards the end, I'd put them back in. So it was just a lot of like, I don't know, I, I think it just ended up sounding really nice. And I think I didn't start thinking about it until I started to suspect that one of the members of the band uh, only enjoyed that song. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I get you mentioned the the label decision on there. I imagine the label wasn't waiting around for two years. So I guess how did Cruz del Sur get involved? Were you guys shopping for a label before releasing the record? Uh, not. I mean, definitely, uh, definitely before releasing the record. But um, what? Uh, but whoops! What the hell did I just do? Oh, shit! He doesn't want to look at us. Um, sorry you guys about that. Look just like the we, picture uh, we were holding up. We cards. sent a. I started sending it once it was. Yeah. We do. Thank you. 
same people. You're welcome. Same same, same, yeah, same. Yeah, same actors. Um, Beautiful. Just missing the Kirk Hammett looking guy. <laughs> Wait, hmm, I wonder who he could be Shit. talking about. No, that's like the most common thing that everybody says about that guy. Um, that guy. Well, wait, I don't. I hardly know him. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, we just found him on Craigslist. Yeah, he used to be in Exodus. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's what people say about Kirk Hammett. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, as as a personal sure. as a personal conspiracy theorist, I do question. I am a Kirk Hammett ever being Kirk, an Exodus skeptic. Kirk, Kirk Hammett's kind of like the moon, like Kirk Hammett being in Exodus is kind of like the moon landing of, of a uh, metal music is we're almost positive. It never happened. Yeah. We're actually entirely sure that it never happened. And we're also pretty sure that if, and, he, if he was in it or there was any photo evidence or anything like that, listen, Stanley Kubrick was involved. We listen, know we've this. all heard that. We've, we've all heard the evidence that he was in it, but yeah, Stanley Kubrick was behind it. Stop and, playing with that. Playing with something I shouldn't be playing with. For the okay. So, anyway, well, yeah, we'll, we'll move past that. I don't remember what we were actually talking about. We were talking about Kirk Hammett. No, Mars. we weren't. Before we're talking about, his name's Mars, our good friend. Mars Mysterio. Yep. Uh, Mars Mysterio. We actually have a song that yeah, sounds song just like that. Yeah, yeah. We got a song Beautiful. for him. We haven't recorded it yet. But yeah, we got songs day. for each of us, actually. That's but, true. Um, They're all unrecorded at the moment. Well, actually, no, no, we released we released TGK. Yeah. That was my song. Yeah. But we we uh, we do eventually we one day. Band member songs. For, we'll have, yeah, we'll have a song for each band member where like the only lyrics um, is probably just their name. And then uh, Sam also has uh, our drummer, drummer master, Commandriani. Uh, yeah, he's got a. Stop. I was playing with the thing again. Um, he's also got a song called Strock. That's Real not his song. It's not on the song, though. I mean, yeah. It's not on the album. It was supposed to be. Great song, Strock. He's a striker. He's a real striker. All right. No, uh, save this. Cool. So we were chatting about how Cruz del Sur is an incredible label uh, yeah. and how you guys fit right in there. When uh, I had, so I, I do remember what we were talking about again. When, when I had a mixed version of the record, I started sending around people and uh, they responded pretty quickly. And I, um, I just thought it would be pretty good. So I, I shopped it around. Honestly, I really despise doing that or any of that, like, you know, behind the scenes band stuff where you have to like talk to people and be like, will you please do this thing for me? Cause I like hate to do that. Um, but like, yeah, I think I sent it around to around like three people and I, I pretty much just got along with the, with them pretty well. Um, and, and still, am getting along with all of those guys really well, or the, the two that I've spoken with, which, which you think that's not a very rare thing, but you know, some labels are a real pain in the ass to work with. And I, I I've only worked with like two labels. I'll just say that <laughs> we've had some negative indirectly anyhow, yeah. but, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's been pretty great. And, uh, I didn't really shop it around too much, but once I did, you know, I I have close friends who I know would release it, and I we'd have no problem self-releasing if we couldn't find somebody with more resources to do it. So, mm -hmm. perfect. Now, something else you mentioned was, uh, and I've got it here in the write-up. I actually looked at the piece of paper that came across my desk when my secretary said, "Here's your coffee, and here is uh, White Magician, Dealers of Divinity." Is it? Uh, yeah, you guys heard recording. Looks like May of 2018, um, and went up until December of 2019. So I guess then you guys were super ready for this like massive marketing plan. 
of sorts uh, to do what you probably couldn't do this year. So kind of one of my last questions is how has COVID affected your guys's plan or have you turned it into, you know, some kind of a blessing, uh, magical blessing in disguise? We didn't really have a plan. And the reason that we didn't have a plan is because we're just not like that so much. Like basically I'm involved on a serious level in three bands and two of those bands, two of those bands share four of the members. So everybody in white magician also plays in demon bitch. And the guy who plays bass in demon bitch is the guitar player and lead vocalist in my other band Eisenblast. And I basically, we divide all of our time between each other, but obviously like to do something very involved with one heavily taxes the other. And, um, and so basically we were just kind of like ramping up after we finished recording this, we were ramping up to rehearse to do a tour um, with Dimovich, but that got canceled because of COVID. So we were basically really just like, it took a lot longer to record the white magician album than we meant to. And then once COVID happened, we ended up just like kind of putting some more energy into rehearsing to so record. I'd say the one thing that we benefited from is anybody that sees, you know, from, you know, until this interview, thank you very much. Anybody that would see it, the, what would pre COVID be viewed as laziness on our end would have excused it um, due to COVID. But um, if you're listening to this, then you know that's not the case. And it was actually, we didn't plan. Yeah, like we didn't plan. I think that like the label, um, when when we were in early talks with them, they were just, you know, they talked about like, you know, like wanting to, uh, you know, have us do some things either, you know, nationally or, or regionally or whatever, just some stuff. Obviously, we would have had a release show or something like that, but we didn't have any like rock solid plans. If anything, it just kind of got lucky that we didn't really have to like get like reel back into like heavy rehearsal because in the entire time that we recorded, my musical gear was all separated and we weren't actually practicing as a band the entire time that I was going back and forth tracking stuff. And same with uh, Mo Fang here going back and forth to uh, Southfield to track bass and stuff. So it, um, I don't think anything went to plan the way it was supposed to. But then again, if you really draw it out and realize that we didn't have much of a plan, um, I guess that works just fine because we're, you know, we're all just like, we're just, we're all just like regular people who like work jobs and love music and play it. So like, you know, we can really only do so much as uh, our ability to live allows us to. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, and uh, that's, yeah, I think I, I think I probably covered it mostly. I believe so. And boys, that concludes my questions that I have for you, we covered a couple of tracks off the album, the album itself, uh, coronavirus this year, the recording, the signing of the label. Um, I believe that is all of my questions, unless there's anything else that you wanted to throw out there. I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Uh, well, we're glad to have taken part in the Rock Metal Podcast. I, I've actually, because I, I do love rock and I do love metal. Um, and I, I kind of am starting to love podcasts. I didn't really know what they were until about a year ago. So like I've heard the word, but I didn't really understand what it meant. It was, I thought it was like, um, I thought it was like a, I thought it was like one of those things. It's like, a, it's like, it's like a trick question, but instead of being a trick question, it was just like a, like a name of something. 
Yeah. Well, well that's, just, and that's changed over the years, too. Uh, a lot of people say they have podcasts, but are they actually podcasts in the true definition of the word? But the true definition, I think, is changing just because that's the kind of era we're living in with technology moving as quickly as it is because even I don't do it the way it was traditionally done where you would put an MP3 file up on the iTunes store, I believe it was, and then somebody would download it physically onto their iPod. Um, now it's something that's more streaming, which wasn't happening 15 years ago, but it's it's a thing. Yeah, but then there's some people that have like um, the, like their videos. You see the people talking. You see the video of people talking, and that's still a podcast. doesn't make too much sense. But, uh, John, I do have one question for you that I kind of wanted to turn the tables on you for a second. Um, in the whole uh, closing eyes debate, uh, do you close your eyes while you make love? Mm-hmm. I believe Is so. That, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. At all times? I'd have to double check with my wife, but I believe that there are moments <laughs> where... Uh, a mirror also will... Yeah, but, yeah, but if his eyes are closed, he won't be able to see his reflection. Well, yeah, but he'll here. remember whether or not he saw the reflection. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll have to ask her left ear. Yeah. Here, here's what, here's what I got to say to that. If that is true, then I think that that's absolutely fantastic because, you know, like most people can't actually play the guitar unless they look at it every now and then. I'm a person who looks at my guitar all the time when I play, and it kind of makes me look like a dipshit, which is, you know, it's like a part of the act. And, you know, I like to, uh, I personally like to, to draw and paint. Logan, I'm I, can't, I can't imagine doing those tasks while closing my eyes. But yeah, also yeah, the, whole, the whole point is I'm just impressed that uh, you know you can take care of the business with with one with one actually having your eyes closed it probably it probably makes it more sensory elsewhere. Ah, I mean, have you ever seen an inspirational picture of Jimi Hendrix like staring at a guitar like he needs to know what note he's playing? Yeah, he always has his eyes closed, so I guess that's the true secret. Close your eyes at everything. I could probably drive so much better if I just closed my eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, I'm going to go and hit stop. And thank you again for coming on to the show. All right. You're welcome.